0: don't know that today is Pentecost Sunday we want to let you know that today is Pentecost Sunday and it's a it's a unique day in in the course of history Pentecost is a Sunday that is celebrated 50 days after Easter and that may seem random to you but Pentecost Sunday is the experience of uh, of gathering and celebrating 50 days after Easter. Easter Now, um, modern Pentecostalism, which is kind of a, a segment of faith, began um, in the early 1900s. In fact, um, in the early 1900s, there was a, a young lady named Agnes Osmond. She was a student at Charles F. Parnham's Bethel Bible School in Topeka, Kansas, and she was kind of the first person that spoke in tongues in this kind of modern Pentecostalism movement. The story is that she spoke in in Chinese, actually, and didn't speak in English again for several days. She was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues, actually a language she didn't know, but a human language. And she did so for several days and then began to speak in English again. And in that moment, that was kind of the first recorded revival moment of Pentecostalism. Now, several years later, about eight or nine years later, we see the Pentecostalism begin to kind of grow and take off in terms of the adherence to that as a a kind of a segment of Christianity. We record Azusa Street Revival. William Seymour is also known as one of the kind of the fathers of Pentecostalism. And today, more than a quarter of the world's Christians are Pentecostals. It's the fastest growing segment of the Christian faith and has been for quite time. Some time, In fact, I was reading in preparation for this message, I was reading about how uh, other denominations that have historically believed in the cessation of the gifts. And we talked about this a little bit in the early days of this series, the first weeks of this series, that there's a, a perspective that all of the things of the Spirit of God, the manifested presence of God, the powerful gifts of God, all those kind of moments— went away when the apostles all passed away. That that season of the power of the Holy Spirit was only for that season post-Jesus to the end of the apostles. Now, we've got recorded miracles and healings and, and powerful experiences of God throughout history, but some denominations have believed and individuals believe that that was the end of it. However, in this radical demonstration of the power of God, the Pentecostal experience, and that word may make you uncomfortable, I get that. I just want to be attached to what today is, but as, 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 as Pentecostals have embraced the full measure of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we've seen radical things happen over the last, let's say, 120 years, maybe more, uh, even more so in the last 60 years, since 1960-ish. Even denominations that historically have taken a posture that is cessationist are are trending toward and moving toward and embracing the reality that the Holy Spirit as a, not just a a, a person of the Trinity, but as a third kind of experience, an infilling experience that even with the manifestation of speaking in tongues is not something that went away and there's more... um, comfort, more awareness, more certainty, more embrace of it, even in denominations that historically have not embraced it. And so today is Pentecost Sunday. And what does that all about. I, I want to I think about something. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a moment where you needed to work on something, fix something, repair something? You were trying to hang a picture. You were trying to, to build something, and you had some, had some tools that were handy, and then a moment came you had to do something, and you didn't have the right tool. I, I think about this. I, I don't know about you, but but have you ever used one of these like a screwdriver? Like I, I, I can tell you how many times I've been putting a piece of furniture together or I've been working on something in my family room or downstairs in my basement and I needed a screwdriver. This is the right tool, but it was far away. It was out in the garage. I, I, I didn't want to have to go up the stairs, go out in the garage, dig through the toolbox. So I grabbed what was handy and it was this knife. And I would I would grab this out of the drawer and I would kind of stick it in the screw and I would try and get it to work right and turn. And sometimes it didn't quite fit. And I would force it and I would waste all kinds kinds of time trying to get this to look and work like this. And this is the right tool. It's not that far away. All I had to do was walk up the steps or walk through three rooms and out into my garage and open up a toolbox and get the right tool. But instead I would I would use this. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been using this for something, it was handy and nearby, and then I had to hammer a nail in and I would turn this thing to the flat side and I would try and tap in a nail. I, I would try and figure out how to, how to hit it just right. And of course it never worked quite right, but I didn't wanna go get the right tool. This tool's designed for a purpose. There's something that it should do. It, it's useful for certain things, but I would use this to do the job of this. And, and, and I just, I've just discovered that even in our relationship with God and our walk with God, so often we can lean on what's familiar and available instead of lean on the right tool. So I want you to write down this big idea and then we're gonna talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Today, here's your big idea. In order to experience all that God has, we have to engage all that He is. Now, that's where we started three weeks ago. If we want to experience all that God has, we we, we gotta lean into, engage, and embrace all that God is. In other words, so often we're trying to do the things we need to do, live out our faith, walk in a journey with Jesus in, in every aspect of our life. And we apply sometimes what is convenient or available when what we have available to us, if we would simply lean into it and engage it and allow it to manifest the ghost. He's the right tool for all kinds of things, and he'll lead us into some things, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, today, as I said, is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is a big deal because of what happened in Acts chapter 1. But Pentecost simply means 50. It's just, it's just a 50 days after the Passover celebration. But, but Pentecost is the Greek word for something in the Old Testament. The beginning of this celebration that we call Pentecost it's anchored in Acts chapter 1 and 2, and we'll get there in a minute, but, but it actually references and is celebrated based on a Jewish festival called Shabbat. And Shabbat is a celebration 50 days after Passover, which in, in the Hebrew world and history is the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's, it's the moment of sacrifice. It's when, when the angel of death passed over. The Israelites in Egypt. And then it's, it's the moment that, that Jesus celebrated and went to the cross in that very same week. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then 50 days after that is Shavuot. And Shavuot is the feast. It's a, it's a feast and it is, um, it's the, it, it is the festival of weeks. It's a celebration of an experience in the Old Testament, and it celebrates actually, not only the moment of the, the grain or the, the new grain arriving in the springtime. It's, a, it's an offering celebration, but it actually is attached to a specific experience in the Old Testament. If you'll remember with me that once upon a time, the Israelites were captured in Egypt. They were slaves. they were making bricks, they were, you know, slaves to the Pharaoh. They had to do some things for 430 years. And then there was a moment when they were delivered from Egypt. And Moses came and was God's sender of deliverance. He shows up, he talks to Pharaoh and he leads the Israelites out and they go through a journey. Now there, there's a, 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 a Passover experience that, that was anchored there when the angel of death passed over the houses that had the blood of a lamb on their doorpost, vertically and horizontally, the foreshadowing of the cross. And so the Israelites come out, they follow Moses, they go out into the desert, they wander around a little bit, and there's a moment just a few weeks later, 50 days, seven weeks later, when they're supposed to celebrate Shabbat. And in this moment, there is a powerful experience that God has with Moses that is actually the foreshadowing of Pentecost in Acts 2. I know I know this may be unfamiliar to you, but I, I want you to hear this for a second. The Hebrews were following Moses, and Moses goes up on the mountain of Mount Sinai and has a conversation with God. And God tells him that he's going to reveal to him, he's going to reveal to him basically the, the full Torah, the whole, the whole thing. But he begins, of course, with the Ten Commandments. Now, he doesn't deliver the tablets the first time. That actually comes 40 days later, kind of at the end of this moment with Moses on the mountain. But in the beginning of this journey, Moses goes up on the mountain, and God tells him that he's going he's to reveal some stuff, and he wants the Israelites to come nearby, and they come nearby, but God says, don't touch the mountain or you're going to die. And so they come close, and Moses had a conversation with God. Now, in the Jewish retelling of the story... In the, the rabbinical delivery of what took place on the mountain, when we look at the Hebrew story, what actually took place was that the Israelites came around the mountain and Moses went up on the mountain and God begins to speak and his voice is so loud and powerful and divine that actually all the Israelites die and God raises them back to life for the second commandment and the second commandment, he delivers it and they die because God's voice is so divine and he raises them back to life. And they say, we can't handle it anymore. And they kind of go away and say, we trust you, Moses, to deliver it. Now, what's fascinating is the way God did this and the story according to rabbinical study. It's that God visited Mount Sinai as a manifestation of fire on the top of the mountain that God came like fire and rested on Mount Sinai and manifested his power and his voice in the, in the, in the moment with the visible encounter with fire. Now listen, the, the Israelites had followed God through the, through the desert and, and already begun this kind of journey with him. And he would continue to lead them through a pillar of cloud, and a pillar of fire. But this moment is so significant for us as those who embrace not only the full measure of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but want all that God is to be engaged by us so we can live out and be all that God has for us and for us to be to the world in which we're placed. And so the Acts 2 moment, is powerful. And I want to pause there. I want you to hang on to that image for a minute. Because I think that there are a couple of things that are important for us to recognize about the ghost in this journey. Because I know there are some of us out there that that maybe you're not, you're you're still kind of leaning into this. The experience of the Holy Spirit, the understanding of the Holy Spirit, the awareness of who he is. Even the idea that we talked about last week, that the, the Holy Ghost is the one who is, putting all the gifts in the bag that get delivered to our home because he knows best what gifts work best and will fulfill us best based on who we are. In other words, we seek God for all his gifts, but the Holy Spirit knows the right gifts and distributes them to us, and we seek and ask for them, but he knows best which gifts to place in front of us. Will we open the bag and pull out the gifts? And there's three places in Scripture we talk about them, and the ones that are most uncomfortable for people typically are the ones in 1 Corinthians 12. They're the the power gifts, the the manifestation gifts. They're the things where the Holy Spirit does these kind of miraculous things, gifts of healing and miracles, The, 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 the significant magnitude, the gift of faith. There's the discerning of spirits. There's tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those gifts tend to make people a little uncomfortable, and the reason is because they're clearly supernatural. They're not natural. They're not, that we don't, we don't all have the capacity to do that in our natural abilities. That takes a divine engagement, a power that is beyond our humanity to, to manifest those things. And so there's some, some trepidation there. I think that should be hugely exciting. It's like, it's like, it's like kind of like trying a new piece of candy that's in the bag. When you open the bag, there's some candy you know, but there's some candy you may not, but you trust the person that gave it to you to give you something good. So you open the wrapper, you try the gift wonder if that's maybe where you are. Now you need to lean into all that God has. You need to begin to say God, I want all the gifts you have for me, but I want to give you two things real quickly before we lean into and talk about this holy spirit encounter moment that has come to be called Pentecost. First, I want you to write this down. The ghost brings scriptures to life. Now listen, if you if you are not someone who is Pentecostal, you're not someone who's invited the Holy Spirit to, to baptize you, and you've invited the, the Holy Spirit to flow through you with the manifestation of speaking in tongues, maybe that's even scary language to you. What you need to know is that the Holy Spirit still can be active because you have access as a believer to the Holy Spirit. He's part of the Trinity. And one of the things that's really important to know is that the Holy Spirit will bring all the scriptures to life. John 14, 26, we referenced the translation of this, the Greek. Greek word for it, but it says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So all of the scriptures, everything that, that God has said to us by his word will come alive. The Holy Spirit will enliven it to us. He'll, he'll make it kind of new for us, and, and we'll understand in ways we haven't. The ghost is amazing At all of that. And so so I want you to understand something. If you struggle with reading the scriptures, understanding the scriptures, having kind of the word of God come to life for you, here's what I'm just going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you when you sit down the next time you open your Bible to just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to get from the scriptures today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me or or speak to me today? Enlighten my spirit by your spirit, God Almighty. Holy Spirit, just kind of bring it to life for me. And you will find as you do that, that God honors his word and the ghost causes the scriptures to kind of pop off the page. The stories come to life. The scriptures have more meaning. Your understanding of what God's calling us to and what he's done starts to make more sense than when we read it like a textbook. I'm just saying to you, I, I hate reading textbooks. I don't know about you but man, reading textbooks can be so boring. I, I way prefer experiences to reading the textbook. But here's what I know. I know that sometimes you gotta get in the textbook in order to understand how to have the experiences. And, and I would just say to you that, that the Holy Spirit will bring the word of God, the ghost will bring the word of God to life, it will pop off the page you if you'll invite him into it. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, um, that, that the footsteps of our future, where we're headed in our life the ghost will guide them if we let him He'll, he'll guide our footsteps. He'll, he'll make clear to us the steps to take. Our future is founded and formed in our awareness and submission, surrender to our engagement of the ghost. Say, hey, God, I, the decision I need to make, Holy Spirit, the, the conversations that I'm walking into, Holy Spirit, the, the decision I'm making about everything from, from, you know, from my breakfast to my spouse, like what car do I buy, what career do I take, God, I'm submitted, God, the the, the Person on the street corner that needs help, Holy Spirit, would you have me engage this in some way? Holy Spirit, what should I say here? Holy Spirit, what's next for me? All of those moments, the Holy Spirit will guide. Here's what it says in John chapter 16, verse 13. We spoke about this a little bit, but I I wanna just reinforce it. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. He'll say to you, hey, here's what, David, this is out in front of you. You need to be prepared for this. David, this is what's going on. I want you to lean into this. Hey, hey David, I, I know that there's this thing that you're thinking about. Here's the outcomes that are out in front of you. He will speak and guide us not only into all truth, scripture, but he will also guide the footsteps of our future where we're headed. And I just, I just think that so many of us feel sometimes like you're, like I, if I were to step out right now, I would step right off the platform at our church, I, I, I would have nowhere to land. It would be, there's nothing there. And I think a lot of times, even in this season, we feel like we're stepping into the unfamiliar, the unstable, even the absent. But the Holy Spirit will guide us and will prepare us for where we're going. If we'll say, ghost, guide me. Holy Spirit, guide me. We, I wanna know what my future is and what I need to do. And he will do that. Now, the Holy Spirit is the guider and the, 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 the awakener of life. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in your Bible quickly with me. We're going to do this fairly quickly. Um, I want you to open your Bible to Acts chapter one. While you're going there, I'm going to read something to you out of Luke chapter 24, because basically Luke and Acts are, 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 you know, are, are almost a continuation one book of the other. So Luke wrote it, he wrote Luke and Acts, and, and you, if you read the book of Luke and then just jump right to Acts one, you'll find that they actually kind of dovetail, almost like two episodes on Netflix, right? That the, 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 the book ends and when you start Acts, it's almost like you get a little recap to connect the dots between where we came from in the book of Luke. And so I'm going to read you the end of Luke, and then we're going to jump to Acts in just a second. I hope you're there already in Acts chapter 1. But here is Luke... Chapter 24, it says, Then Jesus said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. In other words, understanding Scriptures requires an invitation to the revelation of God for us. And so Jesus does this, and then he says, As it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And this is the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. In other words, the message you're to go deliver has to do with the good news of the rescue of your sinfulness in your surrender to God. God, forgive me for I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes, but I accept Christ, I receive the good news of grace. God, come and rescue me. That's the story. And Jesus says this. He says, this is the message that must be proclaimed in the authority of the name of Jesus to all nations. Now, all nations has some implications. All nations don't speak the language that they were speaking right there. All nations don't function the way the Hebrews do. So when Jesus declared this, there's an implication that he goes on to clarify. And I'm just telling you, you need to hear this. This is such a huge deal. You are witnesses, the very next part says, you are witnesses of all of these things. So he's speaking to some disciples. Jesus has been raised from the dead. This is not pre-crucifixion. This is right before he ascends to heaven. And you would think kind of the last things he's saying to his disciples are kind of super important. And so he says this. He says, this is the message. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city and still the Holy Spirit until he comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now listen, this is the end of Luke, end of the book of Luke. And then if we read the last few verses, it talks about Jesus going and ascending. And then we open Acts and we find almost like a, a pick up the story again in the book Luke. Of Acts, and I'm going to read verses six to eight of Acts chapter one. I hope you're looking at it, either in U version or in your Bible on your phone, whatever. And this is what it says. It says, "And and on the day of Pentecost, that's today. Now, before before I get down into this, I want you to understand this word witnesses. The word witnesses is a Greek word, uh, martus. It's where we get the Greek word martyr. And what we know is that Jesus speaks to these disciples and he says, you are gonna be my martus, my witnesses. And three times that word is translated martyr in the New Testament. Nine times it's translated witness. And it simply means one who saw something and tells about it. One who's witnessed something and then delivers the testimony about it. I'm going to go and tell what I've seen. And Jesus tells them, you were witnesses of my death, my resurrection, and therefore the good news. Go and tell everybody about it. And in order to tell them about it, effectively, you need what my Father's going to send, the Holy Spirit. Now we jump down into Acts, Listen to this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking in other languages, and the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability— And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers." And they were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Listen to this. Here here we are, uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. What can this mean, they said. So here's what I want you to write down. Here's what I want you to write down. First of all, the ghost gives courage to my compassion. This is so important for you to understand, is that most of us have a desperate desire to see the people that we love and care about come to know Jesus. We're desperately hopeful that the people that we know and that we care about come to know Christ because none of us can stomach the idea that they would spend eternity apart from God. If I'm gonna get to spend eternity in the presence of God, experience the joy and the fulfillment of worshiping Jesus forever, why do I want anybody I love and care about to not experience that? I don't want them to experience, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want them to experience eternal recognition that they're separated from God for an eternity. I don't want that. So my compassion that they would come to know Jesus Jesus, like Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem before he entered it, that we, we, we're, we're desirous of all the, all the people that we know and love to know Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is what gives us both the boldness and the courage to deliver the story as a witness. That's what it says here. Wait in the city and you will receive power to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In other words, one of the key functions of the ghost— is to empower us to tell the story of God's glory in our life and that we've witnessed in the world and the lives around us. Because the reality is, it's not always perfect, it's not always good. We still mess up, we still make mistakes. There, there are things about my life that don't always look like Jesus like I want them to, and that's true for you. But what is amazingly powerful is when the Holy Spirit empowers me to share the stories of what God has done, his powerful intervention, his reconciliation of marriages, his redemption of a relationship, his restoration of friendships, his healing of the body, his provision that is supernatural and unexplainable except by divine intervention. The Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us courage and the words and the wisdom to know when to engage and tell the stories the ghost gives courage to our compassion but here's the next thing I want you to understand is that the ghost is the power for all of God's purposes every purpose of God has to be empowered like God has power and he desires for us to live a holy life he wants us to live in a way that honors him and reflects him in our behaviors, and our thinking, and our language, in our, in our actions. He, he desires that for us. He said, talks about the Holy Spirit as kind of a, a, a sanctifier. It makes us aware of the places we come up short. In other words, if we try and live a life that is in discipline, we are using this tool for this purpose. We've picked the wrong thing to lean on to achieve the outcome that we believe God has called us to. And there's no doubt God has called us to live holy, wonderfully beautiful, visible lives for him. And the ghost is the power to do it. It'd be like driving a car with no gas in it. Doesn't matter that you have the engine and you have the car. If you're Fred Flintstone, stick your feet through the floorboard and try and do it on your own, the car's not gonna go very fast, very far. But the Holy Spirit is, the, is, the, is the, the power to see all of God's purposes come to pass. And, and here's, here's why this is a big deal. I, I just want to say this, that in this passage in Acts chapter one, what we read is, or in Acts chapter two, excuse me, is this, this reality that all of these people heard in their own languages. And I want to say two things quickly. First of all, I just want you to know that our nation absolutely needs the kind of reconciliation Of nations that is referenced in Acts 2. The awareness that something transcends their individuality without diminishing it. Something that unifies them despite the differences that they have. And the Holy Spirit is a unifier by nature. He's not a divider. And we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to lean into what is going on in the world. What are we to do as believers with the, 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 the racial difficulty, the disunity and division that's happening in our world? It's not, it's not new, but certainly is explosive right now. We're going to talk about that. But I, I, on Pentecost Sunday, I want you to see that God birthed his New Testament church in the reconciliation that happens between the nations. People from all nations were present and they heard in their own language. Now, now here's what I want you to to get. You may say, Pastor David, this whole thing about other languages and tongues, I know that you're saying that's something you believe in, that's something that we teach, that's something you're inviting us to do, and I'm gonna do that. Pastor David, that's uncomfortable for me. Here's here's what, what I want you to get. This is such a big deal to the Lord. Now, it has nothing to do with salvation. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, Scripture says that you are saved, you've been rescued, you've repented, you're saved. But there's more for for you than just that. And I don't mean to trivialize it. It's a massive deal. It's what Jesus was all about. But it's clear that there's something else. And here's what I want you to connect to. The the festival of weeks, Shabbat, in the Old Testament, was a celebration— that happened 50 days after the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And in that moment, when it occurred on Mount Sinai, that God was delivering the beginnings of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, the scriptures say that God came and rested like fire on the mountain. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? But here's what's more fascinating. According to rabbinical study, If you read about it in the the Midrash's and you understand a little bit about the Hebraic awareness of that moment, what you'll find is that when God spoke, there were several miracles that are attributed to that moment. One of them is called the miracle of no echo. The idea that the voice of God is so transcendent that there is no echo because it is never rejected and reflected off the mountains and the rocks and the things that were around them on the mountainside. In other words, the voice of God was so powerful, it penetrated even the stone. And that's amazing all by itself. But listen to this. Here's the second thing. It's the miracle of 70 languages. So at that time, the understanding is there were 70 languages generally on the earth, kind of seven uh, primary you know, dialects as, or, or languages that had 70 dialects. There were 70 languages that were spoken. And according to the Hebrew study, when God spoke on the mountain. His voice was translated into 70 languages that his beginnings of the law would be instilled in all nations around the world at the time he spoke, Shavat, 1300 years before Christ. I don't know if you heard that well. That means that God foreshadowed for us the day of Pentecost at the day he delivered the covenant of the law. He said, here's the securing of my covenant. I will speak it in every language by my power, manifested by the image of fire resting on Mount Sinai, and every nation will know because my voice is transcendent and can't be rejected. I will, I will make it happen by my word. And then we come all the way to Acts. And in the upper room... Scripture says, we just read it, that all everybody's gathered there, and they're worshiping and seeking the face of God. Jesus told them to go and wait, just like God told Moses, bring all the Israelites around the mountain and wait for my voice. They're waiting in the upper room, and then the Spirit of God descends like fire, just like God could have picked any day. He could have picked July the 17th. He could have picked October the 4th. Could have picked the fall harvest, but he picked Shavuot. 50 days after the Passover, like when he gave the first covenant marked by fire and the languages of the world being spoken divinely. He does the same thing in Acts 2. Fire falls, the the Spirit of God speaks in other languages and everybody that hears it, no matter what nation they were from, could hear in their own language the truth, the voice, the, the, the power of God being manifest. I want to say to you, God did not accidentally or just. For a season, deliver the power of the Holy Spirit for our infilling with the manifestation of speaking in tongues just for a moment or by accident. He was foreshadowing it 13 years before Jesus and He fulfilled a new, He manifested a new season and covenant and sealed it. Jesus made it possible 50 days before and then He brought to pass the manifestation of His power for this season going forward till the return of Christ in the fullness of of his anointing by the Holy Spirit. I wanna to say to you, you may, know, you may never thought about how God has been at work delivering to his people, his chosen people, Mount Sinai, and us grafted in as non, non-Hebrews, grafted in because of Jesus. And we are not unable to experience all that he asked for his chosen people, which he did and foreshadowed all the way back with the law and now he says there's a covenant of grace and I've sealed it and now I'm delivering you the power to walk in all that Jesus did you will do by my spirit all of the, the things that we want God to bring to pass on the earth are done by the power of his spirit and so what I want to say to you is it's time for, for you to get serious about being ghosted yourself you may be familiar with it but you are not. You haven't leaned into it you may have said I know some people who are but it's a little unnerving here's what I want to say to you it's okay to be a little, have a little trepidation. It's okay. Some of the people outside that heard it were like, What is that? They're a little unfamiliar. Peter ended up teaching on it. He ended up speaking about repentance of sin because that's the purpose. The tongues are not the purpose, the purpose is the witness. The tongues are an edification for our spirit. The gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are to be, to be bringing forth a visible awareness of God's power still at work on the earth. What I would would say to you is, do you want all that God has for you? I want all that God has for me. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray right now. I just want to invite you where you are in your your, your living room, wherever you are. I want you to turn your hands up like this. Go ahead. Turn your hands up like this. And I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray. I don't want you to just listen. I want you to pray. We're going to invite God to do supernatural and filling right now, right now. God, fill people with your spirit right now in their living room, in their bedroom, in their kitchen, on their back deck, out on their boat, wherever they are joining us today, God, by your spirit, just as you did at Sinai, just as you did in the upper room. Would you fall like fire right now in living rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and decks and boats in parks, God, whether they're TV, God, maybe they're just listening right now. Holy Spirit of God, infill people in every way that they're inviting it, God. Just say right now, God, fill me with your spirit right now. I want to be ghosted. I want all you have, God. I'm nervous about it a little bit. I'm not sure, is it going to cause me to to feel weird, God? But I want to be surrendered to your spirit. Fill me with your spirit, God. And I would just say to you as you're praying that right now, God, just invite it. As you're saying, God, I'm surrendered to it. And fill me with your spirit. Here's what I would say to you. The moment could be right now that the Holy Spirit of God begins to give you utterance in other tongues. and You may be like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Listen, here's what I'm saying to you. If you want all that God has, I'm just asking you, set aside your intellect for a minute. Set aside your, 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 your thoughts, your, your intelligence, your control for a minute. Just, just try and put it over there and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. this is, it makes me nervous to think about surrendering and just letting you speak through me, God. But Holy Spirit, if it's you, I want it. If it's you, I'm surrendered to it. If it's you, I wanna be in it. If it's you, I want it all, God. Your power, I want it all. Your empowerment, God, to be your witness, to tell your story, to glorify you, I I want all of it. And allow the Holy Spirit as he gives you utterance. That's what scripture says, as the Spirit gave the ability. It is not human, you don't have to make it up, but we do have to actually relinquish control, surrender to what God would do. So right now, God, would you fill people with your spirit right now, wherever they are? and fill them with your Holy Ghost right now. God, would there be stories of the moment right now in the living room, in their bedroom, where they just, they felt the Holy Spirit come and fill them with a mighty power right now. That the fire of God would fall in every place right now where they're watching and that God, many would experience the moment where where your Holy Spirit begins to speak through them, right now where they are in Jesus' name. We want all that you have, God, all of your power, all of your infilling, all of your presence, God. We want it all. We thank you that you've made it available to us, that you've delivered it to us for your glory, for your glory, God, in Jesus' name. Now listen, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to pray a prayer with me right now as a first step of engagement with God, surrender, that you would be saved. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Be a witness. Power. So I want you to pray this with me. And then I want you to let us know you did it. Don't keep it to yourself. It's hard to walk out something you keep to yourself. Let us walk with you. Say, hey, today I prayed a prayer. Are you ready? Pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him. I thank you that he died for me. And I thank you for raising him back to life just for me. Today, God, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Would you make me new? because of Jesus and not my good works. And today, Jesus, I surrender to you. I call you my Lord and my Savior. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to celebrate a new moment, a new heart, a a redeemed life in Jesus' name, that you are no longer condemned to hell. You are glorified and have the opportunity to spend eternity beginning right now with the God of the universe now let's let's lean into the Holy Spirit let's sing about it let's worship him let's invite him and let us help all of you taking a first step take the next step in your walk wrong-